You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's tribe time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and Nationals Park, where the Indians are finishing up the 2019 season. The season mathematically in terms of postseason hopes came to an end on Friday night as the Indians lost to the Nationals 8-2, coupled with a Tampa Bay victory north of the border in Toronto. And it's official. The Indians will not be a part of postseason in 2019, ending a three-year postseason run. Let's take a look back, a, a brief look back at the week in review, and the highlight of the week certainly was Tuesday night. The Indians still very much in the thick of things in terms of the wild card chase, as in the top half of the first inning, opening a road trip in Chicago, White Sox pitcher Carson Fulmer got two quick outs, and it looked like it was going to be an easy inning, but it was anything but as uh, a walk to Carlos Santana kept the inning going. A 10-pitch at-bat by Yasiel Puig ended with a single and another walk to Jordan Luplo loaded the bases for Jose Ramirez in his first at-bat back with the Indians. It was incredible. All right, Jose Ramirez, wouldn't you know it, first time in the batter's box in a month after the broken handmade bone surgery, and he bats left-handed with the bases loaded, two down, no score. The set, the pitch, and it's down and away, ball one. So Fulmer had a strikeout and a foul out to start the game. Walked Santana. Puig had a single on a 10-pitch at bat. Walked Luplo, and now behind in the count on Jose Ramirez, who normally has a very good eye at the plate. You just wonder if he might be a little anxious right now. Here's the set, the 1-0. And it's low 2-0, and and he did not chase two borderline pitches. And you heard Terry Francona talk about it on the manager's show. Just a real jolt for this ball club as pitching coach Don Cooper is making a mound visit. But the fact that Ramirez is able to play with pain. Now, he cannot hurt that right hand. The incision has healed. The bone itself is fine. You take out the broken hamate bone. But you're going to play with pain when you swing the bat. But obviously, Ramirez has a high pain tolerance. And most people that have a broken hamate bone are out six to eight weeks. He was out one month. Had the surgery on August 26th. 
two days after he broke the hamate on a swing. And here he is, one month later, bases loaded, two down, no score in the first. He awaits the 2-0 pitch. Here it comes. And he took a borderline strike on the outside corner. Ramirez, of course, had been the Indians' best hitter over the last three months. He's a big reason why the Indians got back into this thing. He's batting 254, 20 homers, 75 RBIs, despite an awful April and May. Now the 2 1. Outside ball three, three and one. And just his presence in the lineup. Fulmer pitches him differently than he would some Indians reserve. Well, and it bumps Reyes down a spot, Perez down a spot, lengthens the lineup. Now he's in a hitter's count with the bases loaded, no score, two down in the first, and the 3-1 offering. A swing and a drive to deep right field, away, back, and gone! How about that welcome back? A grand slam down the right field line. The little man with a big bat has come back to spark the Indians with a grand slam here in the first. He got a grand slam in New York on August 15th, and he got into a hitter's count and pounded a grand slam down the right field line, and the Indians have a 4 nothing lead all of this after there were two men out. Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't be able to sell Hollywood on that script. Hollywood would have said, nah, too unbelievable. Miss a month, come back from hand surgery, don't have any in-game at-bats because there's no minor league games going on, and you hit a grand slam your first time up. No, sorry. And if you don't think the Indians didn't miss Jose Ramirez, then you don't follow baseball. Roberto Perez hit a solo home run in the second inning. That made it 5 nothing. And then in the third, Puig and Luplo were on board again, and Ramirez continued to amaze. Here's Jose Ramirez. Hit that grand slam down the right field line in the first inning. That was left-handed. That was the tougher way for him to swing right now. It's easier to swing right-handed because the surgery was on the right hand, or when you bat right-handed, the top hand. Now he bats right-handed, and he drives it to deep left. Are you kidding? Way out of here. Two-thirds of the way up the bleachers in left center. Jose Ramirez, two swings of the bat, seven RBIs. And Steven Spielberg just sent the script back and said, no, no way. I have a reputation and credibility to think about. No one would believe this story. Unbelievable for Ramirez and folks. They'll need multiple tape measures to let us know what that one traveled. And the Indians now lead it eight to nothing. Franmil Reyes takes a pitch in the dirt for ball one. Well, I guess Jose wasn't kidding when he said, look, I'm good to go. 
Indians with an 8-0 lead. The little man with a homer from each side of the plate. 11-0 would be the final score, and after the game, Indians manager Terry Francona talked about Jose's big night. I just think sometimes the guys, their approach is so locked in just because they haven't played, and his concentration was so incredible that he was just, I mean, my goodness, that, 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 that I, I don't, I would have never, if you'd have given me a hundred things to, to tell you, <laughs> that probably wouldn't have been one of them. And the following day in Chicago, we caught up with Jose Ramirez with translation help from Augie Rivera. Jose, first off, uh, just an incredible night last night in your return to the lineup. And I saw afterwards, you, you kind of said you weren't surprised, but it, certainly it, it was a surprising to a lot of people how you responded to your return to action. Why were you not surprised by the results that you had last night and what turned out to be a career game? I mean, I wasn't surprised because I was doing the same approach that I did before, you know, trying to get my best pitch, make my best swing, trying to get locked in. And, you know, those are results that I've been able to produce before, you know, grand slams, helping my team. So it felt good to help you in that way, but not entirely surprised because that's what I prepared for to perform in that way. And you mentioned preparation having the chance to face minor league pitchers, Jeffrey Rodriguez on Saturday. How much did that help, especially considering they were going full speed and not just batting practice? It was really helpful to see all the repertoire. You know, they always throw the change of the fouls and everything, and they're like good, um, talented players. So, I mean, they're ready to compete against any other team, so it was really good to see them competing against me, and I think that was the key to be ready to go since the get-go. You come to the plate early on, and fans are doing the Jose chant in Chicago. Was that surprising, and how did you make that feel, or how did that make you feel coming to the plate when that's going on? I got to really give thanks to the fans because they always make us feel like welcome and supportive whatever we play, and especially here, you know, I felt like they were chanting my name, but not only to me, but the whole team. So it was really nice to see them, especially on my first day back. And you mentioned the whole team. What was the reaction in the dugout when you got back after the Grand Slam? No, todo el mundo contento y eso, de que de la mano, de ah, tú sabes como yo vengo de una lesión y eso, contento y todo el mundo, wow, y vaina, ¿cómo te sientes? It was great. It's, you know, we have a good chemistry there, so I think right when the celebration was, everybody, I was trying to remind everybody just to be nice and kind with the hand, because you know it's still recovering. So it was a good thing to just you know create another fun moment for the guys. All right, we'll finish with some fun stuff. Why do you yell at Puig? What's wrong with Puig? I feel like he's now, he can be like the craziest guy in the team, but the fun crazy, you know, so he brings that craziness that we also need, and, and it's also fun to have him around. And I probably don't even need to ask, but what were the pitches you hit for the home runs? Home run pitch, you know. It's a home run pitch. <laughs> Jose, nice going last night. Great to see you back. Thank you. On Wednesday, the Indians fell, but would you believe Jose did it again? Here's the 3-2 pitch. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball to deep left. Oh, my. This one is way back there. Home run, Ramirez. Jose has done it again. Third home run in two nights since his return. And the Indians are on the board again. They creep closer. It's now Chicago 5, the Tribe 2. Number 23 on the year for Ramirez. Incredible return for Ramirez, but for the Indians, 
They lost on Wednesday, again on Thursday to the White Sox, and then were eliminated from postseason contention on Friday night in Washington. So a tough ending to a, a season where the Indians were close to staging quite the comeback in terms of their position in the standings from where they were in June, but they just did not have enough to close the deal in the end, and they will be without postseason this year for the first time since 2015. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk continues from Washington, D.C. after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who deserves to win big this season? My two cents, good drivers. I mean, that's why there's Snapshot from Progressive. Let's go to Rick for some confusing metaphors. Look, if you put a classically trained cellist in a garage band and you tell him to play for Layman Young, I guarantee you the meat on that burrito ain't going to light the candle. Thanks for clarifying, Rick. If you're a good driver, there's no other way to say it. You deserve discounts with Snapshot. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Play sack into the motion. Here it comes. Check. Strike three called. 95 miles an hour on the outside corner. And he locks up Abreu. I don't know how you could be more impressive than what Zach Plesak has been in his first two major league starts. At historic Fenway in a downpour and 45 minutes from his hometown, pitching against the team he grew up rooting for with half of the ballpark probably from Crown Point, Indiana today. Wow, what a keeper in Zach Plesak. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Nationals Park in Washington, D.C., where the Indians and the Nationals are concluding the 2019 regular season. And in this segment of our show, we visit with Zach Plesak, who got the start on Friday night right here in Washington and pitched really well over five innings before being pinch hit for. He allowed just two runs on six hits and left in a tie game. And we caught up with him in advance of his start on Friday, and he talked about that opportunity to pitch in meaningful games late in the season. Yeah, I'm super excited um, to be pitching one of these games that coming down to the wire, you know, is vital. We need to win as many as we can going to this last stretch of four games we have. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's another game to me that I'm prepared for and be ready to execute. Yeah, I know you, you like to look forward to that next start and not necessarily back too far, but when you think about where you've come this season in spring training, not even in Major League Camp, could you have ever imagined pitching in a, a game like this late in the year? Uh, I, I can't say I, I could see that happening from where we were in spring training. There's always that always that that voice in my head, you know, knowing that I was prepared and ready to take on any anything that came my way. You know, I just... And blessed to be in this position right now and to be looking up and see our, our winning record and to be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, it's always fun to be doing that. You know, it's just an uh, exciting time for us and exciting time for me. And whether this team makes postseason or not, you, Aaron Savali, Adam Pletko, you'll turn out to be a huge part of it. And uh, what does that speak to in terms of, of development in this organization and, and allowing you guys to hit the ground running when you get to the major leagues? It, I mean, I think, you know, you even look back for a few years and you can just see how dominant and successful the pitching staff has been in our organization. Uh, you know, and a lot of the guys who came up through this organization are still with us and, you know, we're having success. I think it says everything about what we're doing organizationally for, to develop guys, you know, like myself coming in and 
learning certain things that you know that can better you in the long run so it's just you know amazing I can't say enough good things about our our coordinators and player development staff because you know without them obviously I wouldn't even be close to where I'm at right now and to be in this position is is all because of them and is Zach Plezak, Indian starting pitcher who finished his year on Friday night with a really strong effort in a no decision against the Nationals. Now going back to last Sunday, Mike Freeman has been a steady contributor for the Indians and has had to play every day down the stretch after serving in a utility role much of the year. But with the injury to Jason Kipnis, Freeman has uh, seen the bulk of the time at second base. And in last Sunday night's game, he was part of a huge double play while the game was still tied. And Freeman says those are some of the, the little things that you don't always see in a box score that can help a team win a game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's certainly one of those situations where if you look at the box score after the game, you don't realize, or even if you look at the play-by-play, -play, you see a double play, um, and it doesn't quite show up, uh, you know, how big of a momentum shift that was in the game. And, you know, for Cookie to come in there and get that ground ball and get a double play, and, you know, we scored several runs the next inning, uh, that's kind of the way get baseball goes sometimes. Um, you know, you have a play like that to where it fires up the clubhouse, the adrenaline gets flowing, and uh, all of a sudden you score some runs on offense and, you know, totally changes the game. So that was a big momentum shift for us. Um, you know, with Real Muto, one of their best hitters, if, if he beats that out, not only do they score a run, but, you know, we face Harper with a guy on first uh, right after that. So um, just to have Harper lead off an inning with no one on base uh, is a big, big deal for our pitchers. And, um, yeah, so I was fortunate to, to get us out of the inning. Turns out to be a close play at first. Is that about as clean, everything coming together, that, that you can turn one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Frankie did a great job uh, playing the hop and getting rid of it quick. And at second base, you know, you want to make sure you get the first out. And I was just trying to be as quick as I could and get as much on the throw uh, to have a chance to to get Real Muto at first because, you know, he runs – better than you know most catchers in the league and knowing that and you knew we had to be quick that's indian second baseman mike freeman a really nice addition to this year's ball club stay tuned we'll continue with tribe talk after this timeout on the cleveland clinic indians radio network Now the set, now the pitch. Allen drives one to deep right. Down the line it goes. Gone! We are tied on Greg Allen's first home run of the year. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Nationals Park in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And don't forget, you can listen to Tribe Talk each week on the Indians radio network. Also catch it online at Indians.com, archived editions there, and as a podcast on Apple iTunes and the iHeartRadio app. Now the Indians AAA ball club, Columbus, won another championship, the International League champion Columbus Clippers once again. That has a familiar ring to it. They are multi-time winners in the International League, and their manager, Tony Manzolino, did a great job, and we had a chance to visit with him on the Indians' last homestand, and he says with all of the players that were sent to the big club and then to win a championship, well, it was quite a year for the Clippers. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, you know, like as the season goes on, you find yourself, you know, as soon as our games are over, you know, walking in the clubhouse and looking at our phones, all the coaches, all the staff, looking at our phones and seeing what the players 
did in Cleveland that night. And, you know, when, when guys who came through Columbus had a good night in Cleveland, you know, if we lost a tough game or something like that, it kind of it kind of eased things for us in the coaches' room that night because of the pride that we as a staff taken, you know, players performing up here um, where, where it ultimately does matter. But, man, it, it was great winning our league title. Um, but the, the bigger thing for us as a AAA staff is that the players get to Cleveland and help these guys win. Numerous players who spent some time in Columbus and then contributed up here just say the environment there was perfect for them to to get what they needed to get done done down there to get back to the major leagues or to the major leagues for the first time when does that start for you and 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 what are some of the things that you do down there to make it a good environment for them well it probably starts in spring training with with our staff down there um regal beltran andy tracy kyle hudson scott neilon jeremy heller all of us um and gunner wilhelmy um all of us kind of sit down having a couple dinners in spring training kind of discussing um you know what we want the environment to be like and what's important to us and the resounding thing that came from the group was that you know we have to allow the players to take ownership of their careers at that level as much as possible i think when you're in the younger levels is it's a very structured environment that's very uh, much structured for a group i think getting into triple a it, it is structured but it's a little bit looser and it has to be more geared towards um, a lot of individual players so i think just sitting in spring training you know, discussing with the staff there and kind of getting the the the, the ideal AAA environment kind of down in our minds, and then being able to execute it from day one there was was probably the the biggest advantage for us going through the season. And this being your first season managing at that level, after managing at some of the lower levels that you talked about, how tough was it to come up with that ideal uh, environment? You know, man, I, I think the more questions you ask, you, you get a lot of information. You can figure some things out. So pretty fortunate um, to have some some really good people in our organization you know guys in uniform guys out of uniform um, really really a great organization full of great people that can give you as much advice as you want and I think from there it's just listening to all the information listening to all the advice and trying to make sense of it um, you know partnering with the players talking to them presenting things to them getting their thoughts and then you know from there just kind of setting a standard and you know just trying to be consistent with it every day joined by Columbus Clippers manager Tony Manzolino on our weekly farm report. The Clippers, the International League champions, and sent a slew of players to the major leagues. Take us inside uh, Oscar Mercado, Zach Plezak, Yu Chang, all went to the major leagues for the first time. Explain to us what happens when you get the phone call from the front office here that, hey, this guy needs to come up. Uh, what happens next and how big a part of your job and satisfying a part of your job is that to tell a kid he's going up for the first time? Well, I usually get the phone call from Carter Hawkins, our assistant GM. He'll give me a call um, and let us know um, that the process has started. You know, just kind of any thoughts on this guy, you know, player X might be going up in the next day or so. Do you have any thoughts, things we need to know? Um, from there, you know the rules are in motion. Um, and usually after the game or before the before the game the next day, you know, Carter will call and kind of firm it up and, you know, let us know to go ahead, take the kid out of the lineup, um, get travel set up and make the move. You know, from there it is getting the player, getting the player in the room. Sometimes you're somewhere where you're not going to get him in a room. For Oscar, he was on a golf course. Um, please, Zach, we got in the room. Yu Chang, uh, we got in the room. Um, and just trying to have some fun with it, man. Try to make it memorable for the guy. Uh, especially when it's their first time, 
um, maybe make a joke out of it, however you want to do it. Sometimes you don't really have the opportunity to do that, but if, if you can mess around with the guy and make it a little bit fun and memorable, it, it's an even better moment for the guy. So what's great, you know, we try to get in the other staff members. If it's a, it's a, a hitter, get the hitting coach, Andy Tracy, or a pitcher, Rigo Beltran. Um, if it's a guy that, you know, is working with our strength coach a ton, our trainer a ton, we'll get them in there as well and um, let everybody kind of enjoy the look on the kid's face. Um, maybe it be a smile, maybe it be tears, um, but kind of enjoy it collectively because, you know, ultimately that is what minor, what development in, in the minor leagues is, whether you are with our team in Arizona or you're with the team in Columbus, you know, the, the collective goal is to get them to the big leagues. And how different is it for someone, say a Ryan Flaherty, who spent the whole season in the minor leagues after a long time in the big leagues, what's it like to, to send him back here this September? You know, man, that, it's interesting. You know, for a guy that had seven years service time, that one was probably as satisfying as other guys just because, you know, you see a guy that's given his heart and soul to the game for so long. Um, and, you know, in a nutshell, he couldn't get a big league job this year, you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, he was having to fight the demons at AAA every single day and, you know, kind of what he was looking for in his career and where he was going from there. And um, it's something that a lot of veterans go through. And to see him, you know, be as professional as you can possibly be with our younger players, with our clubhouse, to see him perform at an incredibly high, high level, as good as anybody we had um, that was there the whole year in Columbus. And then to see him get rewarded at the end of the year was, was pretty pretty satisfying, just as much as it is for the, the younger guys you tend to spend a lot of time with. So to bring it full circle to, and talk about the title, the International League Championship, uh, the Indians have been fortunate enough to, to clinch some division crowns and have some runs in the postseason with the celebrations. What's it like winning a, the AAA title, or not the AAA title, but the International League title, uh, especially with a group of players that might be different, completely different from what you started the year with? You know, it's fun. Um, it's a it's it's a unique level. It's a very complex level because the roster is constantly changing. You know, so you know. I'll be honest, you know, sitting there in the middle of August as we were getting ready to make our run at this thing, you're looking around the room, and there were, I think out of the original 27 we, we broke camp with, I think it was seven or eight were actually in that room. So you're looking around and trying to figure out how engaged uh, the players are at that point because the reality is is for some guys, you know, you, you go to the minor league playoffs or the AAA playoffs, for some guys it might be going up during that time, it might be costing them service time and, you know, major league money. You know, so it's something you got to kind of balance and be sensitive to. Um, for some guys, they want to go home. They're not connected to that team. Um, it's a very strange environment. Now, I'll tell you, the, uh, the Adam Rosales of the world, the Mitch Talbots of the world, the Deanna Navarro's of the world, um, LaVarnaway showed up. He was with us down the stretch. The veteran guys that we had were unbelievable. I mean, they were on the top steps screaming, you know, from game one for us, you know, all the way through the end. And, I think the fact that we had those guys, those personalities there, um, providing the leadership that they did, it kind of, it kind of pushed the younger guys in the right direction, um, and certainly carried as much weight in us winning that thing as it did the guys that were hitting the three-run homers during the playoffs. Well, it's a, a great accomplishment. What, what the AAA club has meant as a backbone for the Indians this season. It's why they're where they are, and uh, certainly to win a title, that's icing on the cake. I'm sure. Tony, thanks a lot for coming by. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Tony Manzolino, a manager of the Indians AAA ball club, the Columbus Clippers. Really great work because that is not an easy position, perhaps the most difficult of any level of the minor league system. Stay tuned. We'll have a final segment after this short break on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
Gabriel Enoa. You spell it Y-N-O-A. The pitch swung on line drive base hit to left near the line. It'll get down and go to the wall. Mercado gets his first major league RBI. A stand-up double down the left field line scoring Martin from second. So mom and dad are back in Tampa. They saw the first major league hit yesterday. And now their son has his first major league RBI. It's his second double. And the Indians have a 6-0 lead. Chang walked his first time up. He started that, that quick two-run rally last inning for the Indians as he walked. And then the on-deck hitter now, Kevin Ploiecki, homered last inning. Now it's Kipnis at first after a walk and Chang at the plate. The set by Skoglund. Here comes the pitch. Swung on, ground ball, left side, on through, base hit left field. And for Yu Chang, there it is, his first major league hit. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Hey, are you just going to stand there and let people not give you credit for being a good driver? You deserve discounts on car insurance, and that's what Snapshot from Progressive is for. So why aren't you signing up? You need music to get pumped? Hit it! Drum solo! Ow, that hurts my fingers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment on our final regular season show of the season. And let's finish it up with a tribe tale from Indians Senior Vice President Bob DiBiase. It's time for another tribe tale with Bob DiBiase. Joining me now on Tribe Tales is the leader of the renaissance of the Cleveland Indians in the 90s. Catcher Sandy Alomar. And Sandy, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us. And just catch us up on where you're living in the off season and no grandchildren yet? No, no, no. <laughs> Not so far. Uh, I, uh, I was living in Chicago and then I moved to uh, Dallas uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, pretty busy with the youngest one. She's playing uh, club volleyball and... Uh, beach volleyball so that's a great area to get into that obviously you were a key component to uh, the renaissance of this franchise when that big trade maybe one of the best trades uh, in the history of the cleveland indians that hank peters made to bring you and carlos over from the san diego padres you're one of the guys that i always look to because you played at cleveland stadium and then you moved into this beautiful ballpark so just overall your general sense of that time uh, when you came to Cleveland uh, playing at Cleveland Stadium and knowing that uh, something fun was in the future well uh, Bobby when I got that call that I was traded to the Cleveland Indians that was a kind of like a blessing to get an opportunity to come to a major league team that's going to give you a chance to play uh, in a position every single day I came here uh, my father said hey man uh, Cleveland, uh, they they looking to rebuild. It's a great opportunity for you to go out there and show your abilities. And sure enough, I came here, playing the All Stadium. I my my focus was always uh, do out there, do my best, and uh, help the organization do the best they could, be the best they could. And man, it's 
came out slowly, but uh, it was built pretty well. One of the things that I always had most fun with with you guys is there was a couple occasions that we would uh, get you in a little bus and bring you over here when this place, uh, Progressive Field, was getting built, put hard hats on you and walk you guys around. And just to see your your eyes wide and the smiles on your faces, that was a pretty cool transformation for everybody involved in the organization. Yeah, everybody was anxious to, to, play, to have an opportunity to play in the stadium. And like you say, I think I came here three or four times when I wasn't even supposed to come here. Uh, but the anxiety that we had to see our new home and the opportunity that we had uh, to, to, to have a new beginning in the city of Cleveland and have these fans excited about the new season in 94 was tremendous. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to see every stage. It's like building your own house. I wanted to see every stage of the stadium development. 1990, remarkable year for you. Rookie of the year, gold glove all-star it couldn't have flowed any more uh, wonderfully for you recollect on the 1990 incredible campaign that was that was a fun year because i i came in i came in from san diego uh, from you know a uh, couple of good years in triple a and, and in double a and i was uh felt like uh we won two championships over there i came with a mentality to win i, I didn't know if we were rebuilding win i don't i didn't care i came in with a mentality to win and it was a fun year everything uh Fell into plays. I had a chance to play every day. I had great pitching staff to work with. The guys helped me tremendously. Uh, the players treated me with open arms. Uh, uh, McNamara did a great job with me and uh, protected me the whole time. And and ended up having a, a, a fantastic year and able chance to make the uh, the All Star game as a rookie and and win the Gold Glove. I couldn't ask for anything else. I know that I have uh, unfortunate injuries in '91, '92, and '93, but that's the one part I wish I, I would have been healthier than the beginning of that. But after that, I feel like I started getting better again. Well, six-time All-Star, obviously a member of the Cleveland Indians Hall of Fame. There's one All-Star game that probably separates itself from all the others, and that was right here in 1997 at this ballpark. And one of the great photos is you holding up the all-star game mvp trophy in one arm and your son marcus in the other <laughs> arm man that's one of the great moments wasn't it yeah that was fantastic <laughs> man that was uh I mean, everybody was excited and anxious for the all-star game here being in cleveland you know the stadium was freshly new and uh uh, we were selling out every day, and the fact that uh, I have a chance to play in the All-Star game and have a chance to come in the game in a key situation to win it, and then maintaining the lead, which gave me the chance to win the MVP, I, can, I could never forget that. And then I remember Marcus walking into the field. Said, That's my trophy. Give me that. <laughs> he was like, like he was his. I enjoyed, it was an awesome moment because Absolutely. he came down right away when the, we were doing an interview. He jumped right on my arm. That was a special moment. Absolutely. Um, just try to recollect on the guys you played with and just the, the renaissance of the city uh, and how all of that was just uh, just through hard work. So much fun. I'll tell you what, Bobby. I wish I could have given the city a little more. I wish we would have, you know, haul in that championship at the World Series and and bring that trophy home. Uh, but I I wouldn't change anything that I did. The only thing that I would I would have I would hope so is I would have been a little healthier and have uh, all those games playing a little more. But I'll tell you what, I I don't want to change anything. Uh, the people here in Cleveland treated me with so much respect, and I, and the fans all welcomed me with open arms. Uh, when I came back as a coach, but when I was playing here, 
it's like a one big happy family. Uh, we players were here for a long time, signed for multi-year deals, and and we felt like we were a family. And the front office did a fantastic job putting all of that together. And I couldn't ask for more uh, a better thrill to be a Cleveland Indians uh, to this day. Right now that I'm coaching, I'll tell you right now that when they when Mark Shapiro called me to see if I want to be part of the staff, I say <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. Like I say, heck yeah, man, I'm I'm going to Cleveland. So I feel this like this is my home. I would like to finish my coaching career here and hopefully uh, you know holding a World Series championship. Well, I don't think we say it enough, but thank you for all that you've meant to the Cleveland Indians organization. And on behalf of Tribe fans everywhere, we wish you and yours the very best. Well, thank you very much, Bobby. Same here. Sandy Alomar, Jr., our latest Tribe tale. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Don't forget, Tribe Talk is year-round, 52 weeks a year. We come at you with baseball news on the radio, and unfortunately, Starting next week, it's our off-season editions as the Indian season concludes on Sunday afternoon right here in our nation's capital. The Indians officially eliminated from postseason contention on Friday night. And uh, for them, a bitter disappointment as they really, heading into the final week of the season, felt they had a great opportunity at reaching the wild card game. And uh, who knows what would happen from there, but they did not get that chance to do it this season. So until next week... I want to thank Brian Matze for his help in putting together our show, as always, each week. We'll join you next week from back home in Cleveland. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.